Mahatmanastu Mamparta Daivim Prakriti Mashrita Pajantyananyamanaso Gyatvabhutadimavyayam Translation, O son of Prita, those who are not deluded, the great souls are under the protection of the divine nature. They are fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, original and inexhaustible. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now the purport. In this verse, the description of the Mahatma is clearly given. The first sign of the Mahatma is that he is already situated in the divine nature. So, this text has um, a number of points in the very Sanskrit. You'll see these as we familiarize ourselves more and more. Can you guys hear me okay? As we, as, as we become more familiar with Sanskrit, every word is so packed. It's like a, a code with uh, very deep messages. So this says that the Mahatmas, O Sanaprita, those who are not deluded, the great souls are under the protection of the divine nature. So there's some implications here. Mahatmanas to Mamparta, Daivim Prakritimashritaha. Those who are not deluded, the great souls. So the implication is that others are deluded. And we heard previously how if we maintain spiritual, excuse me, material conceptions of a spiritual reality, then we become deluded. And most people, when you try to present Vedic knowledge, uh, for the common person, it's, it's bewildering. It's deluding. For some people, they can just intrinsically, because their soul is ready, they can grasp it. But according to the Vedic process, it's a very gradual development over many lifetimes that one then becomes able to receive this. So if one has not gone through that journey over many lifetimes, then for them, this is very difficult to understand. Therefore, it, Krishna says, those who are not deluded, the great souls. So the implication is that others are deluded. 
but one who is under the protection of the divine nature. We need protection. It's one of the four most basic principles of life. That, that is the need for protection. The need for, Prabhupada sums it down as eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. Wherever there's life, you'll see these activities, but they'll go on in a very different way based on the different bodily constitution. So, eating happens when there's life. Sleeping, resting also, to, en to nourish the body, energize the body, that also. Mating, you know, scientists go far as to presume that this is the main thing. <laughs> Mating, it's very prominent for souls in the material atmosphere. It's a very prominent material activity and defending. But it's explained that this defending propensity is actually the most deeply rooted. The propensity to defend ourselves because we need protection. Now, we're not only talking about physical protection. There's many forms that one can invest in physical protection with your home security system, your alarms, all those different locks on your doors. These are ways that we, we try to protect ourselves. But what, what kind of protection we're talking about here is a little different. So, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. It's explained that this defending propensity is the most ingrained because when there is a question of different opportunities for these activities, the defending one will take precedence. If one is eating but they become in danger, They'll give up eating and they'll defend themselves. Sleeping, mating also. So therefore the defending is actually the most deeply rooted. Alright. So we're explaining that this defending is the most ingrained tendency. Now why do we want to defend ourselves? We're getting a little background noise. Someone might need to... Uh, Mute their end. Sorry about that problem. No problem. So, we, we need to defend ourselves, which means we need to avail ourselves to a higher source. It is a lot of implications of accepting that we are in a subordinate position when we need to protect ourselves. We need to turn to something higher to receive that protection. So the defending in the material world is for the material body and it's the deepest ingrained principle but here 
It's explained that those who are not deluded, they've gone beyond the stage of material illusion. The great souls are under the protection of the divine nature. This is what we need. We need the protection of the divine nature. There's Prakriti and there's Purusha. There's matter and there's spirit. And we are either being protected, so to speak, by the divine or the material energy. We are Tatashta or marginal. So we have to seek that protection somewhere. Either we get it directly from the spiritual energy, which is natural for us. It's what we're meant for. It's what will actually give us real happiness. Or we take shelter of the material energy. And the material energy has a task, which is actually to train us, to reform us like a prison. The prisoners are meant to be reformed so that then they be, learn to act properly. So this material world, if we're not under the protection of the divine nature, then we're under this reformatory energy, which is actually punishing us. It's training us. You have to learn the hard way. You can learn something the easy way, the right way, or sometimes, as the expression is, you have to learn the hard way. So the material energy, the material world is teaching us the hard way. Where we have to work so hard for something with our sweat and our blood and our tears and then it'll be taken away in a moment. We invest so much in a relationship and then the other person abuses us or they cheat us or some calamity happens and they, they, they go away. So this is actually reforming us, life after life, that, hey, that deeply rooted endeavor that you have for happiness, the material energy is not going to be able to give it to you. The Mahatmas here, the Mahatmas are under the protection of the Daivim Prakritim, the divine energy. They're under the protection of the divine nature. That nourishes us. Those who are not deluded. Daivim prakritim ashrita means taking shelter. And the divine energy is like a mother. So the Mahatma, the great souls, they're under the protection of the divine nature. They're now no longer seeking externally that happiness, that shelter, that joy. They've, re they've learned how to reconnect with the spiritual internal energy of God. And that gives them everything they need. They don't need to go anywhere else. This is called Atmarama, self-satisfied. This is the goal of yoga. Atmarama chamunayo, to be a self-satisfied sage. The whole mature world is based on getting satisfaction outside of yourself. You need this, you need to buy that, you need to do this. Even the human body, you need to do something to it to be satisfied. But the Atmaram, the, someone who's under the protection of the divine nature, they learned how to get 
unlimited, eternal, unending satisfaction within themselves. They don't have to do anything. They've conquered, they've conquered the conditions of material life, those pushings that drive us, and that drives us to generate karma. So the divine nature, when we link up with that, it's going to transform us, our consciousness, our heart, our desires. It's going to protect us from ourself. Sometimes our worst enemy is our own self. Because if we're not self-controlled, we will act in a way harmful or counter to our own best interests. We have free will. But we generally become our own worst enemy. If we're not trained in the science and practice of yoga, then we do things even unwillingly. Oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I harm this person? Why did I act so foolishly or so impulsively? There's no problems out there. The only problem is within, with us. There's no problems in the world. The problem is our own concepts, mental conceptions. And therefore our spiritual uh, insufficiency or deficiency. That's yoga, that's that connection. And when we serve any, anything else and so many other things, then we're no longer on the divy prakriti or the divine energy. We're in the prakriti, the material energy. Why? Because we're acting outside of that relationship. And that's illusion. That's the disconnect. Acting outside of a relationship with the divine will never bring happiness. It will only bring frustration. And that's what's going on in this world. So again, the key is re-engineering, rewiring our system, our internal way we process. That's the solution that we need to work towards. It's an individual thing. We often get so inspired to do so many things in the world, help so many others, help the poor, help the needy. This is good, but if we didn't really align ourselves properly, it's, it's incomplete. It's not going to bring us satisfaction. Now, the next part of this verse, bhajanti ananya manaso. Bhajan, bhajan, it comes from the Sanskrit word bhaj, which means to, to worship. So bhajan is when you, you have your spiritual practice. It's how you go deeper. You know, it's like an ocean. Consciousness is like an ocean or spiritual consciousness. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper you go in the ocean, 
the more calm it is. Because on the top, all the waves and the storms and the, the, the huge, you know, oil ships and all the oil spills, everything is on the surface. When you go deep, deep and deeper, then this bhajan, you're tuning into another level of your being that you probably didn't even know was there. Normally we're on the surface. We're in the mind. We're on a, like the iceberg. You only see, they say, 10% of the iceberg. So what we see is hardly even that. What we know about ourselves maybe a fractional percentage and we're on this surface level conscious thinking this is what it's all about this is the ultimate reality so bhajan is how we learn to go deeper into our own self ultimately we want to realize our spiritual divine nature which has everything we need everything we're seeking in this 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 cavern of the material world, you know, we, it's with, we have what we need within us. We have to learn how to get it, how to access it, how to uncover that. So, bhajanti ananya manaso, their mind, ananya manasa, manasa is the mind. Ananya means it doesn't deviate. Bhajanti ananya manaso. They're doing their bhajan without wavering mind. This is a, a, a practitioner of yoga. The example is given of a flame in a windless place. The flame is dead still. It doesn't waver even the slightest. That's the mind of a yogi when they're absorbed on meditation on the absolute truth. And we have to learn how to do that 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean you just lock yourself up in your room or in a cave. It means you learn this connection, this yoga of everything with the absolute truth. How? Service. Utilizing things in service. That's what bhakti yoga is. It's Prabhupada says it's called devotional service. We have to serve. Everyone has to serve, whether we like it or not. If you if you don't have a job, if you have a job, you serve your boss. If you have a a student, you know you serve your students. If you're uh, in the government, you serve the country. If you're a father, you serve the family. If you're a kid, you serve the parents. You name it. It's all about service. So the question boils down, what kind of service? What's the best or natural, most excellent service for us? And that's called devotional service. We act in devotional yoga. So this is how they do bhajan. They go deep and they connect everything with the Supreme. Gyatva means knowing. Bhutadim avyayam. 